Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Arif Dean and our new, newest friend, Peter Baugh. Hello, of the hello. Athletic. Can't forget of the athletic. Arif Dean of Mile High Sports, JJ Jerez of Mile High Sports as well. Here to talk all things Colorado Avalanche with you. Of course, last time we recorded was right after, um, which game was that? New Jersey. Uh, the, the New Jersey, Jersey game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The New Jersey game where we... Uh, you know, it was a little bit of a different atmosphere for us. I don't know if you got to listen to it, but I went back and listened to it, and I brought us in at 100 miles per hour. So here's a little bit calmer of an episode. Yeah. <laughs> Not so many lights flashing around us and here to, you know, calmly break down the Colorado Avalanche. So we just finished yesterday um, another win by the Avalanche, a seven-goal game against a really good Carolina team, which was really impressive. I guess I want to start the conversation about that game with you guys about – JT Confer's press conference. I don't know if you remember, but kind of the first thing he said was mentioning how he didn't really like the defensive play of the team last night. While they're still on a winning streak, they're still scoring seven goals on a team like Carolina, I guess. What do you read into the statement like that? I mean, Arif and I have had conversations all season about how this team isn't complacent this year. They're not really accepting anything less than the best. And I, I kind of feel that you're seeing JT Confer re reiterate that right there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think we've We've seen it throughout the year, honestly. I, there were times during the – in January, they had that long stretch where they won a bunch of home games in a row, and there would be wins where they wouldn't necessarily seem that happy after the game. And I think Carolina is a team that's that's struggling of late, so I think maybe that they, – they, they realize that they let a team that has talent get back into the game instead of, like, finishing it off when they have the chance. Um, but I think overall it seemed like – they knew it was a good win, but that it wasn't a perfect win. And I think that's kind of the way you want to approach these things. I don't think there's any use in, like, being miserable at everything unless you win the Stanley Cup. Like, you can take victories along the way and be happy about them. But I don't think it's – I think it's also good to learn from as, – as Jared Benner has said a few times this year, it's better to learn lessons when you're winning. Like, you'd rather win games and still have to learn things from them than learning because they're losing. For me, I mean, it's, it's, it's as simple as this. When you look at the Avalanche's standings, they lost six of their first 10 games in their last 65 games. They've lost 14 times. They've got 51 wins. So you need to be able to, especially at this point in the season, on a nine-game winning streak, buzzing into the playoffs, knowing you got the Western Conference locked up, knowing you got the Central Division locked up, knowing that you're in this battle with the Florida Panthers, like you need to take something out of every game. You can't just go into the playoffs thinking everything's perfect, everything's great. And obviously yesterday's game wasn't perfect. They surrendered four goals. Carolina almost kind of clawed their way back in a couple times, but they were never able to pull within a goal. But for me, the biggest thing that I'm noticing with the Avs right now and what we heard, saw yesterday or heard yesterday with JT Comfer is, you know, this is a guy that's scoring a lot of goals recently. He's now tied his career high with 16. But there's still something, there's always something to be worked on. Like you said, they're not complacent, and especially at this time of the year, 75 games in, you're seven away from the Stanley Cup playoffs. The last thing you want to do is kind of have the mentality and have the mindset that we've got this figured out and we're going to be good to go. And I think it's more of a mental thing for the players to know that like they cannot settle because they did it last year. Or I don't want to say they did it last year, but they won a ton of games in a row last year. And the first time they lost, they lost out of the playoffs. So I think for them right now, it's, no matter how good things go, if they win out, they're going to tie the NHL record for 62 wins. I mean, obviously, that would mean they end the season on like a 16-game winning streak. But for me, the biggest thing for them is they they cannot have the mindset that they've got this thing figured out at any point. 
Right. It's all about being in playoff form, right? I mean, with seven games to go here, they really need to, I guess, start ramping up a little bit their quality of play. It's not just acceptable to just have wins anymore. But I think you look back at the schedule that they've had the last couple of weeks, and they've had a lot of tests, and they've been passing these tests with flying color. So I also, you know, want to heed the the naysayers out there saying you know they're, they're still a way off because they've been an amazing team all season long and they've continued to show that the last couple of weeks it just feels right remember the conversations in January we're saying oh maybe they're peaking too early or at least some people were right well no they're they're still at that peak. that would and if be anything, you they're re-peaking again <laughs> no th- this year that was last season yeah this yeah, year yeah. I was I was feeling like they they were just playing some good hockey in January and, and now, I don't buy the peaking too early philosophy yeah, like you, you gotta you gotta play your best at all times and like if you win seven or eight in a row from games 30 30 to 37 what are you going to sit there and think like damn it I wish it was game 80 like you're going to come out in game 80 and try to play hard again which is what they're doing right now yeah and I, I mean that's kind of what I'm getting at right it seems like they're on the upslope again here I mean right in, right in the perfect time so I mean everything seems to be working right where they needed to except for the defensive structure I guess but they're obviously making tweaks there so I mean anything else from the Carolina game that stands out to you guys before we really get into the, uh, the the meat and potatoes of the podcast here? Man, there there was a ton. I mean, for me, for starters, JT Comfort scoring twice, that second power play unit really coming out. It felt like, you know, in past years, and I don't want to say recently, because this year we've seen that second unit kind of, you know, come to life for the Avalanche and save their bacon a little bit. But in past years, it was always that after that, let's call it minute 20, minute 30, that the top power play unit gets, the rest of it's a wash. But it's not like that anymore, and especially with Kadri and Nichush- or Kadri and Landeskog out, you suddenly have like more balanced PP units almost. Where it was great to see that it was the second unit both times yesterday that capitalized, and they were pretty late into the power play, similar to against the LA Kings, I think it was when they scored late into those power plays. So that was big for me seeing JT Comper of old guys. It wasn't Burakovsky, it wasn't Newhook. Granted, Newhook did score a goal. Burke had a hell of a pass on one of those goals, but it was someone like JT Comper who's. Let's let's call it what it is. He's not going to see power play time when this team's fully healthy, and he's the guy that stepped up yesterday. You might see some. Well, I guess Nichushkin will be the net front presence yeah. on the second unit, but uh, they do like him in front of the net, and they like that he has a right-handed shot. I think Comfer. I, I think just in general, this last week or so has been an encouraging sign for the depth scoring. I think you look at guys like Comfer getting on the the goal sheet. Obe Kubel's been playing well. Darren Helms had a few goals recently. Logan O'Connor scored. And I think if you look at one of the things that was the Avs' downfall last year was that they were kind of in the playoffs when the top line got shut down against Vegas. When Vegas found an answer to the top line, they didn't have other guys that could respond. Some of that was Kadri being out. Some of that was just they weren't playing particularly well. And I think this year you maybe look at a more balanced – you're looking at a more balanced team where you've got a second line that if healthy – is a really, I mean, Nachushkin, Kadri, Burkowski is a lot of teams' first line, uh, especially with the way all three of them have mm-hmm. played this year. Lackanen, Newhook, Comfort is a really good third line. And you have guys on the fourth line now that you're seeing that can, can get the puck in the net or at least sustain offensive zone time. And I think all of that's really, really encouraging for Colorado. Be- and it's something that at points they didn't have last year, uh, the big point being the playoffs when they needed it let me ask you this we had this conversation before yesterday's game but i'm going to have it again because yesterday's game kind of you know bring brings it up a little bit more is if that middle six is fully healthy and you put lekinen on that second line with kadri and nichushkin well now if you bring burakovsky down to the third line he's playing with the two guys that he was successful with yesterday on the power play in jt comfer and alex newhook would you do that 
I don't know. I'd, I'd remain somewhat flexible. I think, um, I, I think it's interesting. Like you've got, you've got some options because Lekkanen yeah. and, and Newhook have played well together, but they've also been split up a little bit and Lekkanen and Burkowski played together last game. And you could potentially even move Lekkanen or Nachushkin down to the third line and have a checking line of Lekkanen, Comfort, Nachushkin, hmm. and then have Newhook up on the second line with Kadri and Burkowski. Now that line has played some together this yeah. year and it hasn't been great. The, the uh, Newhook, Kadri, Burkowski line, the numbers haven't been great. But I think that these are all things to experiment with. And I think if, if we've seen something from Jared Bednar this year, it's that he wants to have some flexibility and he wants to try things out. He's tried, he's flipped, whether he's had Burkowski on the top line with whether he's had Nachushkin on the top line. I think we're going to see a lot of mixing and matching to kind of find the, the right solution. So I don't think that they're married to much of anything. And I'll be curious to see if they do want to, how they want to use Lekkanen, where they want to have him in the top six and the, in the middle six. It'll be interesting. I'm a little bit nervous about Jared Bednar simply running out of time here in the season. Like I mentioned, only seven games to go, and he's still experimenting, right? He's still kind of figuring out who goes where. And then you have, of course, the whole puzzle of reinserting Landeskog, reinserting Nazem Kadri. So I guess, do you guys feel like maybe he has a plethora of riches right now that maybe he just, you know, is kind of running out of time? Like I said, I, I wouldn't go that far. A lot of these guys have played together. I yep. mean, the funny thing is, going into these, going into this season, we were all kind of sitting there thinking, like, who's going to be the second line left winger? Should they go out and sign Thomas Tatar? Should they go bring this guy in or that guy in? And I feel like we all kind of forgot that Val Nichushkin was playing on the third line with Jost last year, and that's a guy that Nichushkin, Kadri, Burakovsky line, that in late 2019, those guys were a pair, and they did pretty dang well together. So he was able to bring them close together. Like, this is entirely different than Vegas. Like, if Vegas, they're slowly getting healthy right now. By the time they get to the playoffs, if they get there, granted, yesterday wasn't a very good day for them, well, now you're going to have, you know, Jack Eichel, let's hook you up. I know they've played a couple of games now, but like, let's, let's hook you up with Mark Stone and here's Pacioretty and here's this guy and here's that guy. And a lot of these guys haven't played together yet where it's kind of like, we have all these riches. We're going to put it together and hope to God it works in game one of the playoffs. The Avalanche aren't there. These guys have played. And I mean, if, if it's a matter of, you know, Kadri and Nachushkin have familiarity and you're throwing Lekkinen on the other side who Kadri doesn't have familiarity with, then, you know, they're, these, these are professional athletes. They'll and, pick up on and it. And also Lekkinen's an easy guy to so easy. you know he just is going to retrieve pucks he's not going to like it, puck retrievers i feel like are probably the easiest types of players yeah. to to integrate and i also think with the top line like look lannis is going to need like two shifts to get back in a rhythm with mckinnon and Rantanen. Like, it's we, even that 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 line works we know that and i don't think i mean last year mckinnon missed the last four or five games of the regular season and was got off to a blazing start in the playoffs mm-hmm. playing with Landis Gog and Randon. So it's, it, it'll be interesting, but I, I'm not too – I wouldn't be too, too worried about that. I am curious how he'll pair how, – how match people up. But I think that, like – I do think there's a lot of benefit to the Avs getting off to a fast start in round one, both from a rest perspective and from an experimenting perspective, because if the Avs get off to a good start in round one, then suddenly you can – maybe if you're up a little bit mm-hmm. – find a rhythm with certain guys and and maybe even continue to try and mix and match a little i'm with that i get that um so yeah i I, here we are after practice right they just were on the ice on sunday had the press conferences now we're here recording today we talked to alex newhook and in talking to alex newhook it was kind of wild to me to think like wow here's a rookie and he there's about maybe six guys on the team that have been here less time than him he's kind of evolving into a veteran already on on this lineup so Looking at that, let's get into Ben Myers. Uh, 
And him being able to score a goal against Carolina in his first game, obviously really awesome, but just another new guy hopping in the lineup and taking care of business and seemingly fitting in seamlessly. Yeah, totally. It's an interesting situation just because he isn't eligible to play in the playoffs. So it's kind of like a, as well as he does, it's almost like a little, I'm sure, for Jared Bednar and his staff, it's like, ooh, wish you could have him. So, yeah. And, I mean, that's a big ask to ask him to jump into a playoff game. But he's a he's a good player. I mean, look, this is a guy who can skate well, who plays the Av style, defensive-minded. He's in really good physical condition, and there's a reason that more than half the teams in the NHL wanted this guy. It's because he's a really good player. And so I obviously getting – the goal was maybe a little surprising just because even fourth lines just don't even score that often. But the fact that he played pretty well wasn't all that surprising to me um, just because of the way guys generally integrate into this team is somewhat seamless, it seems. And he's a really good player. Yeah, I mean, the funny th- the, like the big thing for me with Ben Myers is like, I mean, not that he's eligible for the playoffs, but like even if he was like the Avalanche put him on the fourth line last night like he played with I think it was Logan O'Connor and Andrew Cogliano mm-hmm. he played nine and a half minutes so it would have been nice for Jared to have that option like you're not really tasking him with more than he can handle but at the same time like that's the only ice time available for this kid right now is that because this team is so deep so knowing that going into the playoffs you know that even without Ben you're still going to be fine and similar to last year you know kind of where you were kind of hoping Sampo Ranta takes a step where Sampo yes last year was playing lesser minutes knowing that the Avalanche were probably going to lose one of Don Square Comfort to the expansion draft, which, by the way, there's a conversation there about Seattle really dropping the ball on that one. But, um, yeah, there's – there's. It's hard to fault them for taking Don Square, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was playing good, but, like, if you have an analytics staff, not to get off topic here, I know JJ's like, what the hell are they talking about here? But <laughs> Not to get off topic here, but, like, for a, for a team that was run with a very heavy analytics staff, um, having a centerman like JT Comfort that can play the PK and does all the things he does and is a good, you know – good face-off guy, good four-checker, good everything. Like, it was really strange that they took the, I don't want to call it a one-hit wonder, but the the winger that had, like, his best year offensively. It was really strange. And I'm not, I, and I know it's easy to say that in hindsight, given the way Donskoy's season has gone. He's got, I believe, one goal now after going nearly the whole year without a goal. Two. I think it's two, yeah. Two goals and 17 assists, I want to say. Like, he's not having a good year, and Confer's up to 16 now, so... In hindsight, it's easy to say that, but that was a strange one. But, you know, similar to the Ranta thing last year, like the Avalanche were going to lose a lot of depth and suddenly there was going to be more opportunity for Ranta. It just seems like he didn't really grasp a hold of that opportunity. Um, But I see the same thing with Ben Myers. He's a great player and next year he's going to get a lot more time. It's just nice to have him right now for the sole purpose of, you know, we're going to see it with Devon Taves, but on the forward end, you can rest some guys down the line knowing that you can play Ben Myers, get his feet wet, I don't want to say make him earn his paycheck, but, you know, he's burning the first year of his contract. May as well use him. He and would burn it no matter what. Yeah, yeah I'm saying that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Like, the fact that as, as soon as he put pen to paper was going to burn the first year of that contract, may as well use him because of that. Totally. Um, and give some guys an opportunity to rest. I mean, if Nazem Kadri hadn't gotten injured a couple of weeks ago, you better believe he would be sitting, like, one of these last or a few of these last seven games because of the season he's had. And I can see that happening with guys like, I don't know, maybe Nachushkin, maybe Burakovsky, guys that have played a lot of games. I don't know if Logan O'Connor would want to sit at this point, but um, – there's a lot of opportunity there for the Avalanche to use Ben to give guys rest while continuing to win games and rely on somebody who in nine and a half minutes, like he took 16 draws. The Avalanche used him for the thing that they said they were going to use him for, which was to be a centerman and take faceoffs. Mm-hmm. 
He strikes me as a bright kid too, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and we know that there's a lot that goes into a Jared Bednar system. And we've discussed this with both Jared Bednar and Ben Myers. And there seemed to be a little bit of nervousness considering the, the small time frame that he spent with Colorado so far in jumping into the lineup. But at the end of the day, hockey is hockey, right? It's, it's chaotic organization, if you will. So I think it... it it was a, not surprising to see him shine, but at the same time, I think everybody was a little thrown off, like you said, that he, he was able to do well within the system, considering he hasn't learned that much of it yet. Yeah, and I, I think the one thing when looking at the Avalanche's depth and one reason why it would be nice to have Myers available for the playoffs is just because, like, we can look at it and say, well, would he even play? Like, look how many guys they have. But there, look, the playoffs are... If the Avs go as far as they want to, that's almost a two-month grind. They're going to have... Some guys, someone's going to get hurt. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to happen. That's just, and they'll play through more, but like two months of hockey, something will happen. Someone there will, someone will have to miss a game at some point. And so it would, it is nice to have as many depth options as possible. And I mean, I think especially if you can keep this top six together and have those guys healthy and then you can mix and match a little bit in the bottom six, that's such a luxury, but it's a long grind and we'll see if they can kind of maintain their health through all of it. We also know that Jared Benner loves to be creative, right? I mean, I feel like with having that many depth options, he's going to pick the guy best fit for that matchup more so than, okay, who do we like with whom? It's more who do, who's going to be giving the, hard, giving the hardest time to the opponents here. Yeah, and I think you know even the team you play is going to play a large factor into that. If it's L.A., there's going to be certain guys that he's going to want to lean on. I don't know, maybe Helm and Cogliano, maybe it's uh, – Maybe McDermott gets in for a game or two. There's going to be different options that he's going to use depending on the on the opponent. And, you know, that's ultimately the way it should be. The Avalanche have, like, a bevy of bottom six forwards that can do different things. Cogliano and Helm kill penalties. And then you have, you know, guys like Nicholas Abe-Kubel that play a certain style. Curtis McDermott, we know what he's used for. And, you know, if, if you need to go to that well, you can kind of put him into the lineup. And there's a whole part of different, a whole bunch of different things. And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence just to kind of tiptoe off that, that Ben Myers replaced Darren Helm playing against a team that's offensively gifted as Carolina. Let's bring in this kid who could be offensively gifted and see if it works. And lo and behold, it did. So, you know, to have all these options is going to be great. And it kind of goes back to the line combinations thing is like, if, the second power play unit's not working. If the first power play unit's not working and LA or Vegas or whoever they play has it figured out or Dallas or Nashville, well, let's put JT Comfer in the net front and see what happens then. So having these options is great for somebody like Jared. He's a smart guy. I don't think, to go back to your original comment, JJ, I don't think he's going to get to the point where for him he's going to have like an embarrassment of riches that he doesn't know what to do with he's he's a very smart guy he's a very smart coach and uh, you know we had a fun chat with him today about all of his different things that he's doing so uh i love it i think it's great that uh he has these options because he's going to utilize them well yeah i guess here's a good time to take a second to acknowledge our friends over at total beverage everybody knows total beverage in thornton and westminster right sure total beverage has an incredible selection of beer wine and spirits but did you know that they deliver did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Arif, yesterday I was doing the, the hockey show, right? Yep. And right before it, Total Beverage had an actual commercial. Oh, nice. You know, just like a regular radio spot. And they, they do the same read. 
I felt like I was singing along with a song. I was able to do it from memory. So shout out to do our they, friend. Do they also say drink recipes the wrong way you do? No, I don't say it wrong anymore. That was, that was the old me. That was the old me. Um, so let's get into Nathan McKinnon. He's been on a goal-scoring tear, right? Something we were waiting for for the first half of the season. But now he's got 21 goals in the past 25 games. That's since February 19th. So obviously heating up his goal-scoring at the right time here. Yeah, I mean, look, this guy's a really good player. He wasn't – I liked he had a quote – a few weeks ago where he's like, well, I wasn't going to shoot 2% for effort. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was to Arif, actually. Arif asked the question. And he has not shot 2% forever. And, I mean, it, it. what bums me out is that we haven't had a full season of Nathan McKinnon because if you look at, like, he'd already be at 100 points right now if he'd yep. played all the games. And, like, he'd maybe be in the top five for heart voting. Like, it, it's a bummer that we haven't gotten to see him this whole year. But I do think that Nathan McKinnon will take being healthy for the playoffs over – health in the regular season and we'll see how he looks in the playoffs but last year especially against st louis and those first the first game against vegas and then he kind of found his game against vegas he was a really really good player i mean we we know that he's one of the best in the league and i think that i'm excited to see if he has if last year i just remember the playoffs starting and it was like holy cow this guy has another gear so we'll see if if that happens again and the funny thing is like he's literally setting himself up for that next gear right now yeah. He does it every single year. It's hilarious. We go into the regular season. He has, I don't want to call it a bad regular season, but a bad for his standard regular season, well, kind of like he did last year. The thing about him is when it, during the regular season, when the team needs him the most, it seems like that's when he's the least present. In the regular season? Yeah. And then the playoffs <sighs> hit, and that's when he really turns it on. I mean, he well, he's consistent in the regular season, but there are times, I mean, I've brought it up millions of times. There's, there okay, are moments so this where he's year, gripping the stick too tight, this shooting year, it over the This net. year, I'll take that. This year, I'll take that. There was a lot know. of times. He's on 116 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This there, there was a lot of times where, you know, you can you can argue that Kale McCarr was the MVP of this team, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily. I think, I think what you're suffering from right now is the fact that the first two or three years of this guy's career his second line was Blake Como, Matt Nieto and Carl Soderberg he had to do it all he doesn't have to do it all right now and despite him not having to do it all like you said he's scoring 1.41 points per game like he's on a crazy ass pace and I know you said he hasn't hit 100 points but there are seven games and he needs 16 I am not betting against him like I he, bet against him. <laughs> anything could happen another five point night and suddenly it's 11 and six like there's a lot of I'm, I'm not saying he's gonna get there but like that's how good he is I think I think the biggest thing with McKinnon is for once and I don't want to say for once because it's been a couple years now he doesn't have to be the guy uh, hence the 53 assists right Exactly. Yeah. And, and like, it's just, it's hilarious because like last year we had this exact same conversation and we did the same thing early in October this year. He scored 20 goals in 48 regular season games last year. And we're all like, Oh, you know, he's not even scoring at a half a goal per game came out in the playoffs and scored eight and 10, eight and 10 was better than his nine and 15 in 2020 was better than his six and 12 in 2019. Both of the two seasons where he was already an exceptional scorer in the playoffs. So it's the same exact thing this year in October when people were kind of I don't want to say calling for his head, but we're like, where the hell is Nathan McKinnon's goal scoring gone? It's like, he's going to pick it up in April and May when it matters. And here we are. It's April and May. 21 goals in 25 games. Yeah, but... I mean, looking at April, it doesn't matter, right? And that's when he's really flooding in a lot of goals. I mean, here. usually April does matter because that's usually right. when the playoffs start. <laughs> but uh, 21 goals in his past 25 games leading into the playoffs, a hot Nathan McKinnon going into the playoffs is uh, a good thing. But it's also a relaxed Nathan McKinnon. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yes. No, that's Yeah, that Nathan does when he's on a scoring drought. Like, I think he 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 wants to break it. Like, and he's admitted it. He's like, yeah, it's like you, you know that you haven't scored in a while and you want to get – get that mm-hmm. off your back so he uh yeah I, I think it's it's definitely good that he's relaxed I'd maybe push back that he hasn't been 
what the teams needed him at points this year because he's when he's been in the lineup he's been excellent he's been one of the best players in the league but yeah it is a it is a bummer that he has been hurt a little bit and he had COVID and that got him off to a weird start and yeah that first game in Washington was strange which you know Washington's going to be in town tomorrow on Monday yeah Um, let's let's give him the excuse that the the beginning of the season here was really funky for him right I mean a couple COVID incidents some injuries and it was, and now he sits fourth in the NHL in points per game behind uh, you know, a couple of guys named McDavid and Matthews that are pretty good, and Jonathan Huberto, who's having an, like a ginormous season for his status. They're at 147, 146, and 144. He's sitting in fourth place at 142. So he's above Johnny Goudreau. He's above Leon Dreisaitl. He's above the guys in Calgary that we're all talking about, Nikita Kucherov, Kaprizov, Panarin. Like, there's a lot of guys that this guy's having a better season than. But he's only played 59 games, which is why he's not up there in the points. But for McKinnon, man, I mean, my favorite thing about, you know, what you said, he's not going to shoot 2% forever. He's not even on like a high shooting percentage tear right now. In these last 25 games, he's shooting 16%. He's putting the puck on net. He's getting more opportunities to shoot. He's not He's not shooting 30%. He's shooting 16% in these last 25 games, um, which says to me that it's just McKinnon doing his McKinnon thing. Yeah, he does seem to be in the most Nathan McKinnon form as of late. I mean, his one-timers fire, and he's shooting pucks at a, at a high rate. I definitely see the Nathan McKinnon where we all know and love. What I'm, in the dirty areas in front of yes. the mm-hmm. What I'm seeing from Nathan McKinnon right now is very reminiscent to the ending of the 17-18 season where he carried the avalanche into the playoffs the very first year they made it in the Jared Bednar era. The only difference is... The other 17 guys on the ice are a hell of a lot better than the 17 guys he had that year. And that why, that's why when you look at the standings, the Avalanche have 116 points. Yeah, as long as he brings it in the playoffs, I think everybody will He be, always does. Okay, he always <laughs> and, does. Yeah. I know, I know he does. But I will say, it's hard to say he always does when, and this is, I think he's, he's talked about this, that he did not play particularly well in those middle games against Vegas. And that's, that's true. And that is, like, that's what Jared Bednar has said is like last year really hurt because it was it felt more like our fault than past years whereas in two years ago when they made it to against San Jose at game seven it was a team that was ahead of schedule when they made it to game seven against Dallas they were completely banged up yeah last year the their best guys didn't get it done and some of that I, I think some of that does fall on Nathan McKinnon and I think he knows that and I think that I, I'm not saying that as like a knock on him. It's hard to carry a team at all times. But I think that when looking at his playoff legacy, I think this is a big year for him because this is a year where he can show that he is capable of kind of carrying a team to get over the hump and, and being, being present. Because that top line against Vegas, games two through five, big time struggled. Yep. I mean, uh, Nathan McKinnon scored all eight of his playoff games in the first five playoff games that he played. Yeah. The sweep against St. Louis and then game one against Vegas and then games two, three, four, and five, he had three assists. So I get it. And the Avalanche won game two, but just barely, if you guys remember. Mm-hmm. And they and it was a, a gift of a power play in overtime. Play. Yeah. 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 So uh no, I agree with that. That 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 is a good point because I did forget about that. But it's it's kind of strange when you look back and I, I just pulled up his numbers from last year. It was very obvious that Jared Bednar wasn't happy with things because McKinnon played 20 minutes and 24 minutes in the first two games at home. He played 21 in game three, and then he played 16 and 18 in games four and five against Vegas. And that, to me, says Jared needed to look elsewhere. He only played 18 in game five. 16-43 and then 18, well, 18-58. 16-43 and then 18-58, and then game six, he played 22-48. Wow. Yeah. He, so. he played well in game six. I remember yeah. game six, he kind of was, he was back to, and I think it was, it was he did an, a preseason interview 
with uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff yeah. Merrick, where he talked about how he he maybe was he was two in his head, and yeah. then he kind of game six. I think he said Sackick said something to him about like you can let go, like just play hockey, and he was kind of kind of back to Nathan McKinnon. So. I think that's good advice and advice that he can probably use going into into these playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely impacted him. He definitely seems to have a, a more, I guess, namaste vibe about him this year than I yeah. think years past. Um, but yeah, let's get into the practice from today. A couple updates from it. I mean, uh, nothing too crazy. It kind of seemed like a couple guys taking a maintenance day, but this seemed like a practice that Jared Bednar wanted, really wanted, right? Yeah. It, it sounded like the players weren't necessarily all about having a practice last night, but considering JT Confer's comments about the, the defensive woes, you know that's from Jared Bednar's mouth more so than J, JT Confer, and having an actual little day off quote-unquote, for them to, to be able to work on some stuff. I think it's no surprise they had a good practice today. But updates from it, Arif. What, what did we see today and uh, anything else that you want to point out from the uh, training? Yeah, I mean, for starters, there's just not a lot of practice days left. And, and I think the biggest thing that we're not remembering this year in the playoffs is this is going to be another quick Stanley Cup playoffs. May 2nd to, I believe, June 30th is the last day. So usually it's around April 5, 6, but it can stretch until June 9 or 10. So it's usually a little over 60 days. It's once again going to be a quick playoff. So if the Avalanche go on a run, they're not going to get much playoff practice time either. So may as well try to squeeze it in when you can now. But the updates from today, uh, Nazem Kadri was wearing a non-contact, but I don't know about you guys, but to me it looked like he was pretty much taking regular shifts. Yeah, and was he was, a, was, he a full was filling in for McKinnon yeah. on the... McKinnon took a maintenance day, and he was fi filling in for McKinnon on the top line, it looked yeah. like. Yeah, so, and he, he looked at top form to me. I mean, yeah. all the only thing that he needed was to shed that red non-contact jersey, and then he would have looked just in place right yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I didn't know what the red non-contact jersey meant, I would have just thought that mm -hmm. he just liked it because it looked cool. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it seemed like he was a regular participant in practice to me, and obviously, like you said, playing on that line with Nachushkin and Rantanen. And, uh, you know, it kind of goes with what Jared Bender has been saying that, you know, in this upcoming week, they're expecting Nazem Kadri to be back. And that's huge for the Avalanche. That's huge for Kadri to kind of build on the season he's had and really get firing and, and ready to go for the playoffs. Uh, Devon Taves also, um, Jared said that he's probably going to give him some rest in these upcoming games. Yeah, um, might not go on the upcoming road trip yeah, yeah more he might, than a maintenance day for yeah so yeah it's 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 precautionary it's more of the if we were the la kings and the vegas golden knights fighting for our playoff lives everybody would be whole hands on deck but hey they have 116 points and 55 wins they're good they can sit their defensemen knowing that other guys will step up uh i think the record now is i want to say 13 one and one since the landis gog and gerard injuries after that carolina shutout loss so um they seem to do pretty fine when a couple of guys are missing from the lineup. So it seems like Taves is going to get some time to rest up and heal whatever's been ailing him. Um, Darcy Kemper was also maintenance day, but that seemed fine. They had a filling goalie today that was uh, very fun to watch. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the Abs like shooting on him, as Alex Newick said. They shot yeah, to score. Yeah, today. I shoot to score. I'm not going to uh, let up on this guy. The uh, and Landis Garb was skating before practice and looked okay. solid. And I mean, it's obviously early on, but I think it's pretty clear that. This is a guy that's going to be back for the playoffs. And I don't think, look, there's no way that Gabriel Landeskog would have gotten an elective knee surgery if he thought there was a chance he wouldn't be back for the 100%. playoffs. 100%. So I don't think that's necessarily a huge area of concern. Um, it's it's interesting you brought up, um, oh, gosh, I completely lost my train of thought. Oh, the defense. Um, with with Taves out, I, I'm curious who Bednar will pair McCarr with, and I'm curious if it'll be Byram, because he talked last night about 
how he still thinks how Byram's been okay since coming back, but there's still maybe another level he can get to uh, and get back to where he was at the beginning of the year. And look, McCarr and Byram, that is a dynamic offensive <laughs> pairing, and you might as well give it a give it a whirl. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is for me with with Bowen Byram, and I, I, I want to ask Jared about this without making it sound like I'm asking the typical, he came back from a concussion, are you easing him into the lineup? But it's not that. It's more of the fact that he hasn't played a lot of hockey since January, that when you look at the ice time, he was number six on the ice time list last or last night in, in terms of defenseman. He played 15 minutes. So yeah, I don't know if Jared loved his game last night. I don't think so either. But like he, yeah, like that's the thing. He's kind of been playing on these bottom pairs with Jack or Eric mostly, I believe. And uh, Manson's been with Gerard when Gerard got healthy. So to me, I think there's another level with Byram, obviously, like Jared said yesterday, that with Tave sitting, this would be an opportunity to get him there. Yeah, get him take some more him. minutes. Obviously, if you're... If you're with McCarr, you're going to be taking more draws in the offensive zone. You're going to get more scoring chances. Like, yeah, it, it's it seems like and he'll get power play time. I would assume in Taves' spot. Yeah, could be could be an option as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously they can go with another forward and just have Gerard run it, but that's yeah. an option too. No, that's a that's a good point. And so I, I'm curious, and I think that um, it's obviously been a really hard year for for Byram, and I I think it's just good that he's he's playing again. But I am curious, like. It didn't seem like maybe last night was his best game. He was on the ice for a few games. Bednar, like you said, didn't play him as much as other guys. But I think overall he's been it's been a positive. Oh, one hundred percent. Like yeah. he's he's still one of the Av six best defensemen. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's he's better than the number six guy. That's yeah. that's that's clear cut. I mean, the kid is still he's not even twenty one yet. He'll turn twenty one after the season ends, uh, unless he happens to want to run. Um, but. He's still young, and he didn't play a lot of hockey. I mean, he hasn't played since, I think it was January 8 or January 10. Okay, January 11, and then he went on his personal leave, obviously had to deal with his issues, and then came back in April. And Benner said he's like, I'm not going to ease him in, but I do think he wants him to earn his ice time. Yeah, so there's a difference between I'm not going to ease him in, and I don't need him to play 25 minutes if he's not playing, well, not 25, but I don't need him to play 20 minutes if he's not at the top of his game because I have so many options. And that's what you saw. Like Even Jack Johnson played a minute more than him yesterday. So uh, I think putting him with Kel McCarr, that's a very good point because putting him with Kel McCarr will give him that opportunity to get that confidence back, get his legs back, play a lot of minutes. And then when Devon Taves comes back, kind of like the question that you said was a good question the other day when I asked Jared if Nachushkin and Lekkanen are making it hard to take him off the top power play unit when Landeskog and Kadri come back. And he said, I wouldn't go that far. I didn't ask that. You asked that. No, no, I asked that. Uh, you said it was a good question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, like – at the end, like at the end of the day, when Landeskog and Kadri come back, you're going to take Nachushkin and Lekin, and you're going to plug them into the second power play unit and say, "Go do your puck retrieval thing with that unit and make them stronger than they were yesterday." So it's kind of the same thing with Bowen Byram. You're going to put him with Kel McCarr, get him a lot of minutes, no matter how good Bowen Byram plays, and you know he's got the skill to play really well. When Devon Tays comes back, Devon's going to take that spot back. You're going to put Bowen lower in the lineup and say, "We now have a very strong third pair because Bo's got his legs back." So yeah. I think that's a very good point because I think the ultimate vision for Bedner is probably Taves McCarr, Manson Gerard, and then Byram with EJ one of the Johnsons or Murray. Yeah. And then but you get Byram some extra ice time by putting him in if he takes Manson's spot on an offensive zone faceoff mm-hmm. um, and he plays with Gerard. So I think because you want to get him some time in the offense because he's so dangerous when he's on his game. Yeah. And just more of the luxury of if Byram, you know, doesn't prove in these next seven games that he's playoff ready, there's a couple guys that are willing to step in and, and not only willing, but more than capable as well. So Yeah, but I even think Byram, the okay version of Byram is probably better than the guys that are sitting. 
Yeah. Agreed. I mean, 100%. And, and I still see him getting in the mix, right? He loves to scrum it up. He loves to get in those little scraps after whistles. And Love his style of game. Yep. Love it too. So he'll, he'll fit right in in the playoffs. I can't wait to see, um, you know, what he can do with the uh, playoff minutes. But yeah, I think we've covered everything here for today. Uh, we got the updates. We got practice in. We got yesterday's game. Anything else you guys want to get off your chest before we head out here for uh, today's Sunday edition of the podcast? Arif, try to peep. I tried yeah. to peep. It was pretty good. It was delightful, as I said on the video. Yeah. Um, pretty good. Hold on. Uh, While we're on the topic of Arif, can we all talk about how hilarious it was last night when Jared Bednar took a second to comment on Arif's shower curtain shirt? It was a good shirt. <laughs> I liked nice the, shirt. I liked the floral pattern. So, Arif complimented Jared the, uh, the night or a night or two before on his, his three-piece. Three piece. Yep. It's a fantastic suit he was wearing, that maroon one. Yeah. No, yeah. no. It was the game before that one. I think it was the green one. Uh, he vest. came in without the jacket. Yeah, without the jacket. His he was burgundy. wearing the vest under, and you yeah. know, I, it's funny because they're they're all in my recordings. It always it always starts with something about a suit, and then Peter starting you know the press conference <laughs> with a question. It's, it was uh, I complimented him on his three piece suit, and he said thank you, and he returned the favor. I thought it was really really nice of him, but uh, he didn't compliment my sweater. I'm a little hurt, but that's okay. <laughs> the mustard sweater. I like that sweater. I like that sweater yeah. a lot. It's a good yellow sweater. <laughs> it's it's a it's a nice darker color that kind of is very vibrant. Yeah, mustard doesn't do it justice. It's <laughs> like it's a yellowish. Yeah, I don't know. It, but it's a good shirt. Dijon, maybe that sounds a little more fancy. Dijon like, classed up. No, you hate that it. Honey, yeah, but Dijon's <laughs> color isn't that good. The, the honey mustard shine, that vibrant look. I don't know. I think we should we should get it a. It looks like a sunset. <laughs> a sunset nice Colorado yellow. sunset where you're looking up at it with your chapped lips because everything is dry here and it hurts to talk. Um, I'm just struggling these last couple of days. I have too. It's yeah. yeah. It's been rough, but yeah, maybe one of these games we'll get you back in that mustard shirt. We'll get me back in the floral shirt. We'll take a picture. We'll post it online and we'll <laughs> get a poll going. Who had the nicer shirt? And I can't wait to see the very first person to vote for me is obviously gonna be jared bedner like he's, yeah of course, he's of listening right now he's waiting for it like that's well this is jared bedner turns to this podcast for his coaching advice so i, I yeah. would imagine he'll, he'll you see he, he says just, that jokingly he just picked up on that so there's <laughs> been so many times this season peter that we would joke about like jared picking up on something we say and then we'd go into a press conference the next day and he would literally say it the He'd exact same way it. and He's. It, this is either like the world is aligning in a weird way as a pure coincidence. Or we're just that good at analyzing. Or Jared hockey. is fucking with us. <laughs> Something's happening. I love it. Anyway, zero out of ten, Arif. What do you think of Peeps? Uh, I'd give him a good eight, eight and a half. Oh, he liked it. Solid yeah, that's DB pretty. Plus. I'd probably say. A, 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 well, in terms of like normal, having food, one, having one. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't have enough to kill me. Yeah, it's if when it's kind of like deteriorating returns yeah. or diminishing. Once you have the second <laughs> one, they start yeah. to be gross. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not the best candy, but it's, it's pretty good. And it was, it was the kind of thing where like I had it, it was good, but it didn't keep me wanting coming, wanting to come back for more. Kind of like, you know, our favorite, the blondie brownies that they oh. put up in the press box where like, I am so proud of myself. Saturday night yesterday was the first, I think home game of the entire season that I didn't have one of those 5 million calorie brownies. And the funny thing is, Usually when you have one, you want another one. I'll usually have one like pregame and then second intermission. I'm like, ah, fuck, let me go grab another one. And if there's another one left. I'll go have a second one. And then it's instant regret. So I didn't get to that point with the peeps. I didn't have enough to have that instant regret feeling, but I had one and it was good. And let's call it what it is. Eight, eight and a half. Well, there you have it. Two episodes in and Peter's already got us talking food How about peeps. <laughs> food take. So yeah, that'll do it for today's podcast. <clears throat> As I lose my voice here. It, it still sounds great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. 
Um, yeah, hope everybody has a great start to their week. <laughs> what is going on with my voice? Do you need me to finish it off? <laughs> I, I don't know the ending, but if... Uh, I need water. I don't know. Arif, take us out here. Yeah, I got you. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart, JJ, you made it. Let's make hockey for everyone, and we out you.